The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedom only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Buck Sexton Show. On this episode, Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna, which is so fun to say because I knew her when she was just Anna Paulina, a friend of mine for years, and now she is a member of United States Congress. She's also a veteran and somebody who's got a whole range of things to talk to us about today. Anna Paulina, great to have you on the program. Very exciting. Very happy to be back, Buck. So let, I want to start with this. You know, there's a lot of big issues. we got to save America. It's keeping me busy, mm-hmm. keeping you busy different ways. But we're, we're rowing the boat in the same direction. <laughs> how's, uh, how's being in Congress? You know, it's, it's just funny because really you're like a peer of mine that I knew outside and there were a whole bunch of friends of mine who ran in this last cycle, by the way. You were one. I think I had about six or seven friends running for Congress. You're the only one who won, so thank you. Well done. Uh, <laughs> and what's it like? Um, it's been a pretty crazy learning experience. 
what I keep, what really blows my mind is how time works in Washington. So I've only been in for a little over two months now, maybe going on three months. But the craziest thing is that I feel like I've already been there for like 10 years. And then when I go up for, to Washington, you know, you live your life in 15 minute increments, whether it's meetings, whether it's running in between committees, hearings, testifying, all of that. And so it's a huge learning curve. But really everything that I thought going into this, you know, one of my biggest uh, goals for why I wanted to run is I really wanted to help change the national discussion on issues and how to fix these problems. And as a member of Congress, you know, my hunch was correct. Now, when I send out press releases, when I'm debating on the House floor, when I'm talking in committee, the press picks up on that. And it really does contribute to not only educating the American people, but also to solving some of these problems. So it's been a really rewarding experience. It's a ton of work. I definitely am not going to be doing it forever, but I don't ever anticipate or take it for granted that I'm just going to get reelected. So I'm making it count while I'm there, and I'm very honored to represent Florida's 13th Congressional District. So now what do people who who were paying very close attention to the the rebels? I don't know if you guys ever had an official an official name, but the holdouts. <laughs> the rebels, rebels pretty good, right? You know, insurgents <laughs> makes people think of something else. So I think rebels is probably pretty, pretty good. <laughs> Um, but you guys didn't just go along with the McCarthy speakership. You had, there was wrangling for a few days. I remember saying, I was like, yeah, isn't this what is supposed to happen in Congress? What do people <laughs> need to know about what really came out of that? What happened? So this, there was the speaker's fight. McCarthy became the speaker, but some stuff, some concessions were made. What do people need to know? Well, so some of the biggest concessions were actually already seeing it play out. And really this was when I tell people, it's like, if you have an argument with your brother or sister, right? Like sometimes it's really good to just clear the air. You guys come to an agreement and then you move forward. And as a result of that, I mean, not only did other members in our Republican delegation actually see what we were negotiating and actually during that entire time, through all 15 rounds, we're pulling us aside and saying like, look, we really appreciate what you're doing. Um, we support it. We don't really want to say anything because we don't want to, um, get in trouble necessarily. But ultimately, as a result of that, um, the entire conference feels a lot more united. But one of the biggest things that we did was we set the bar and negotiating platform for whether or not we are going to be raising the debt ceiling. We set the terms and conditions for ultimately getting rid of the consolidation of power that existed in the House. So under Nancy Pelosi, she got rid of an accountability mechanism called the motion to vacate the chair, which means that if you have a Speaker of the House and they go back on their promise to the delegation and to the American people on what their goals and objectives are for the country, you can actually do something called uh, vacating the chair. And it was actually put in place by Thomas Jefferson, It which stood for over 200 years. And of course, Pelosi got the gavel and she basically ran it like she was basically the Supreme Chancellor. I mean, there was no voices for the representatives. We couldn't bring amendments to the floor. You had the Rules Committee that a lot of people might not realize, but it's a small group of, of elected representatives. A lot of them were moderates. And so when people want to know, you know, why was it in 2016 when President Trump had the uh, the White House, the Congress and Senate, why couldn't he pass certain legislation? Well, it's because the Rules Committee killed that legislation. And so we actually fought to get conservatives, people that actually have 
in my opinion, being a conservative, better approaches, not just to fiscal responsibility, but also to, to backing the Constitution, get these conservatives in positions where they can have a voice, whether it is on appropriation with the budget plan, whether it is on the Rules Committee so that we can bring rules to the floor. And then obviously one of my favorite is I ran on term limits and we actually have an agreement to bring a bill to the floor to vote on whether or not we were going to pass term limits in the House. And so you will be able to see exactly what members of Congress are for and against term limits, which is something we really need in this country. The debt ceiling fight that looms, is it going to be a real fight? And do you think we could actually get something out of it? Yeah, we will be getting something out of it. And I say that I was actually just at, a, at an event with Representative Jim Jordan and Chairman Scott Perry of the Freedom Caucus. And we actually, as a Freedom Caucus, adopted an official position and put it out for everyone to see. So if you really want to look into that, you can head over to the Freedom Caucus website and check it out. And not even two hours after we did that press conference, you had the Biden White House saying that uh, MAGA extremists were basically trying to shut down the country, which is not true. All we're simply saying is we're not going to continue down this path of reckless spending. We, you know, the Biden budget, which he's not going to get, by the way, wanted to increase by trillions of dollars. And we're saying, hey, COVID is no more. Why are we still operating in pandemic level spendings when it's been declared not even a national emergency anymore. So we're going to go back to or attempt to go back to 2019 fiscal spending. And then we are going to do something called rescissions, which is a mechanism that Congress has to actually claw back some of the money that was already allocated to be spent for a lot of these woke programs. And we're actually going to bring that back. So like even if we don't raise the debt ceiling and just operate as is, what ends up happening is that's going to be the first time in I'd say over a decade that we haven't raised the debt ceiling. And in my opinion, we shouldn't be raising it. You know, at some point, someone's going to have to pay for this. And I hate to bring up what happened with SVB Bank, but that's a bailout. You know, a lot of people don't want to call it that, but it is. And we're going to be the ones paying for it. So conservatives are being branded as, you know, kind of the leper, the lepers in Washington, because we don't want to, you know, just cave, roll over and, and say, we'll deal with it later. We're going to handle it now. And I think that we'll actually get something done this cycle. So remember, we have those 20 names and those 20 names aren't playing. Um, you know, you, Chip Roy, Massey, I mean, some of the names that have been involved so far, uh, it, it, it makes me think these are people who are going to see this through. Um, yes. And yeah, I, I think I think that's one lesson that people should take <laughs> from all this. But what does victory in a debt ceiling fight look, given the realities of where we are, um, you know, politically, what does victory in the debt ceiling fight this year look like? Meaning best possible. I'm not saying what will happen. What is best possible scenario from a conservative perspective? I'd say best possible is, if possible, not raising the debt ceiling, going back to pre-pandemic level spending and then rescissions. Rescissions are important because when you have the administration and really what they did with the omnibus, let's, which let's be clear, that was completely wrong. They should have not done that. And really, we were stabbed in literally not even the back, but in the front by you know Mitch McConnell um, in regards to that. But with a lot of what we're seeing happening is, you know, we need to be able to take that back. And a lot of these programs, you have pots of money that are basically sitting in different programs, different places around the country that are untouched. And yet you have different entities of the federal government that are saying that they can't operate if we don't continue to raise it when, again, we're out of a, a pandemic. So we need to seriously look at this. I frankly don't care if people don't like me for saying this, but like you would never 
operate your own bank account the way that some of these representatives operate the federal government's budget. And so I think that that's important to note that you have people up there that are basically spending. I don't know if they don't realize that if you spend recklessly, it leads to inflation and it's going to tank our country. But every single you know, major empire has failed because of what we're seeing happening now. And so it would be stupid to continue down the same path of, of doing the same thing over and over again. And I want to ask, we come back in a second, I've just got to have a word from our sponsor, but I want to ask you, what are some of the things that conservative colleagues in Congress are considering down the road that you think are transformative, really important ideas that, look, we know Biden, the Senate, it's not going to happen now, but 2024 is going to be here soon. So I just wanted to put that thought out there as to what are some things that you think could be achieved if we have the uh, the kind of victory in 2024 that I do think is possible, especially if we go into a recession, which I also also think is more than possible. I think it's likely. Um, But we'll get to that in a second. Just talking about recession, the bank failures we've seen are the largest since the collapse of a financial institution known as Lehman Brothers back in 2008. So if you've been on the fence about buying gold and silver, now is the time to make the call. Gold and silver can be a protection for your portfolio, but can also be used as a currency. And we could use them for both of those things soon. Want to have a little gold and silver on hand just in case. Protect your portfolio now. Now is the time to call the Oxford Gold Group and hear what they have to say. The phone call is free. Securing your IRA or 401k with real gold and silver is a portfolio protection plan. And the Oxford Gold Group has made it as, made it as easy as one, two, three. You just uh, pick up, call, see if you can get your precious metals delivered to you ASAP. That's it. You own real precious metals just like I do, courtesy of the Oxford Gold Group. After you call and you get this done, so call Oxford Gold Group today. Ask about free bonus opportunities you could also be eligible for. That number is 833-404-GOLD. 833-404-G-O-L-D. I've got right now next to me, and I've got, I've got gold bars, gold coins, uh, silver bars, silver coins. You know, funny, I happen to keep them next to my ammunition and my, my rifles and such. But, you know... It's just because valuable things go together. And I think my gold bars are very valuable, as I do think it's also valuable to protect, uh, protect yourself and and enjoy your Second Amendment rights. So anyway, they're behind me, but people on video can't see them right now. They're kind of off to the side. So best things that Congress could do, like the kind of things that they should be saying they will do if all goes according to plan for 2024. What are they? Give me one or two. Number one that's very realistic that we're already starting to see movement on is decoupling from China. So uh, I'll give you an example. We basically, one of the committees that I'm on, I'm on Oversight, which conducts the investigations, and then Natural Resources, which handles a lot of our American energy independence and the natural resources here in this country. But, you know, we passed an amendment to really prevent any company that is engaged in illegal mining operations or human rights abuses in other parts of the world to actually be able to mine here in the United States. So China has a lot of these companies and then they work with American-based companies. And yet, for example, there are cobalt mines in the Congo. You actually have you know, young people that sometimes young as two years old up to 17 that they're drugging, starving, and basically operating slave mines. And then we buy it here and consume that here in the United States. So I think from a humanitarian perspective and American abundance for energy, um, really allowing that that angle to operate here at home is the best, right? Even if you look at it from a climate change perspective, China's destroying the environment. And so I've actually gotten to a few of these debates on natural resources. Um, Even if you're talking from that perspective, let's say you believe in climate change. Well, China's destroying the environment. So why wouldn't we do it here at home? And so I think that decouple, whether it's from a uh, production perspective 
or from just a human rights perspective, I think that that's going to start to happen. And then my number one thing that I've been talking about for years, and I still think is probably single-handedly the most important thing that we can do as a country is really to break up big tech. And so as I'm sure you saw with that oversight hearing where I had Yul Roth from Twitter in there, and we were questioning them about yeah. Kira and, and how they were illegally coordinating with the Department of Homeland Security and some of these outside organizations to censor the American people, you know, that should never happen, but realize that these companies being as powerful as they are, they are still actively engaged in suppression and they are really tilting um, the balance in regards to some of these elections, even with information just for presidential cycles. And so we have to break that up. That's kind of our new fight. That's going to be our generation's version of the Alamo. And so I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm leading it, I think, right? You're yelling, yelling yes. for the rampart. You're, you're throwing down over yeah, this. You're not, you're not just, <laughs> you're not just president. You are, you are uh, storming the barricades. Um, I, I ask, actually want to ask you also about because uh, you mentioned, you know, China and and foreign influence and all the rest of it. Does anything actually happen to any of the Biden family members with all the CCP money that's come in, all the commie cash from? Beijing that's been floated into the coffers of the Biden family. Do you think anything really happens? You're on house oversight. So we just uh, last week, we just received information in regards to you know, this is from the Treasury. So it's not just from a random source. It's from the actual Treasury uh, that showed that the Biden and the Biden family was receiving wire transfers from the CCP into the millions of dollars within months of him leaving office as vice president. And then from the administration's perspective, we see this massive soft on China approach where they are literally coddling the CCP. So you cannot tell me that this administration, that this president is not compromised. But in my opinion, the Justice Department is compromised. And so what ends up happening is where they would typically bring investigations forward, where you would typically have that accountability, accountability mechanism Right now, I don't think that that really exists. Like if that was like you, if that was me, for example, and my husband was receiving wire transfers from the CCP, like I'd probably be in jail. I wouldn't be able to hold office. And so the fact is, is that it's wrong what's happening. We have something that we also negotiated in the speaker's um, debate known as the Holloman rule, and that can defund any federal position and basically remove the job. We actually put it in place because of what happened with Dr. Fauci and the fact that he was obviously um, not working in the best interest of the American people during COVID response. But I believe that we can use that position as well for you know, the DOJ, if they're not going to do their jobs and these people that are corrupt, why should we be paying them? That's kind of that accountability mechanism that Congress has. We have the purse strings, right? And so that's what we're going to try to use. But it's really upsetting sometimes, especially as a member of Congress, because you realize that as a Republican, as a conservative, even when we take back the White House and the Senate, that the corruption and bureaucracy in Washington, D.C., it's there. And that's why I encourage people, if you are looking to get involved in politics, if you're really just tired of seeing what's happening, get go to D.C., like be the new blood that we need there because people get entrenched and really a member, you know, whether you're in Senate, whether you're in Congress, even a president, it's still a term. You have to get reelected, but these bureaucrats stay there for decades. And so they're the ones that have the consolidation of power that I think are, are responsible for this. Is the swamp drainable? 
It is, but it's going to take more people getting involved. You know, uh, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to do it by running for, for Congress. I'm going to do it by running for Senate. Um, that is only one part. We actually have to have good people up there that are pushing in new blood, whether it's, you know, and, and this is the one thing I will say, whoever the next president is, which I've already um, publicly pledged my support for President Trump, but either which way, we need people from outside Washington to be appointed to some of these positions because it has become so bad up there right now that what ends up happening is we might have ideas, right? Like, let's say I go up there and I have this great idea for, you know, a car that doesn't emit any pollution. This is just an example. Well, if you have someone up there that doesn't like your idea, even if it's at a lower level, they're going to kill that before it even has a chance to survive. And that's ultimately what we're seeing happening, not just from a policy perspective, but from a justice perspective. And I believe that this country is worth saving and we cannot continue down this path. But what I have seen from an in insider perspective now, just in the last couple of months, has really opened my eyes and shown me that we need a lot more people, a lot more good people involved, because right now we're really fighting with one hand behind our back. Anna, you you brought it up that you would def you would uh, vote for Trump in this primary. So I want to come back to I want to ask you why. I'm very <laughs> curious. want to hear it. I think everybody else is okay. curious, too. So we'll come. And I, I just just put that out there. I want to know what your what your reasoning is. We'll come back to that in a second. But first, the Tunnel of the Towers Foundation does such critical work honoring the fallen and severely injured heroes of the 9-11 era and, and beyond. Uh, and they do this with mortgage-free smart homes. This year alone, hundreds of Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children and our nation's most severely injured veterans and first responders are receiving homes. More than 500 homeless veterans received housing and services last year. More than 1,500 are receiving housing and services this year. And this coming Memorial Day, all the brave men and women lost since 9-11 in the war on terror are having their names read aloud in a Tone of the Tower ceremony in our nation's capital. Through the Tunnel of the Towers 9-11 Institute, the foundation is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day. Join Tunnel of the Towers on its mission to do good. Please help America to never forget its greatest heroes. Join me in donating $11 a month to Tunnel of the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. All right, Anna, so, um, first of all, your husband's a Special Forces veteran, and you yourself are an Air Force veteran, so... Does it ever, does it feel like we've moved on a little bit too quickly here past what a lot of, a lot of our men and women in uniform had to do to serve our country overseas? It feels like we don't hear as much about it these days. No, in fact, I, this is again, some mind blowing stuff I've actually witnessed as an insider now is that if you are a conservative and a Republican, that that doesn't matter. There is no respect level for serving your country. And in fact, I'm actually conducting an investigation right now with House Oversight, looking into how it was that the Air Force managed to release the private documents, health information, social security numbers, and entire unredacted service records of sitting members of Congress, as well as candidates that were running for office in the 2022 election cycle. And so I figured that the Air Force would probably not play ball, especially being that we have Lloyd Austin right now that's in charge of everything. 
And so two days after I sent my request to the Air Force, I actually also f decided to work with Judicial Watch to FOIA information. And of course, uh, last week we got a response from the Air Force basically telling us to go pound sand and that they wouldn't cooperate with our inquiry. And so it doesn't matter, we're gonna get the information anyways, but there is a lack of respect for service in Washington. And unless you're really a war hawk, um, I think that they try to suppress your voice. And it's interesting because most people that see war and the long-term impacts of that, I don't think that they would advocate for it the way that some of these people do in Washington, D.C. And so I actually recently got on board with Representative Gates and a few others. And surprisingly, a quarter of Congress actually voted to actually withdraw from Syria. And so you're starting to see, I think, that be more of a, prop a popular perspective and that we don't want endless wars, especially in this generation and this Congress, but it's still gonna take a lot more people that I think have um, the ability to have a voice and, and aren't afraid of the military industrial complex. <laughs> Somebody who's definitely not afraid of the military industrial complex is former President Donald Trump. And you have already said, you've said it here on the, on the podcast, that he is your guy. You'll support another Republican if the Republican is up against a Democrat, but he is your guy for this 2024 election from the GOP side, why? You know, what I've learned as a candidate running for office and now as a member is that when people are worried about being elected again, sometimes it ultimately prevents them from being as effective as they could be if they weren't concerned about that. And I feel like right now, from a international perspective, the United States is not respected. We have a lot of stuff happening, not just with our oil and gas industry, but from a perspective of Russia is aligning with China, who's aligned with Iran, and they don't respect us, and they don't respect us because of our leadership. And I want someone that, from an economic and policy perspective, can run this country how it should be run and get us back to not only being a world superpower, but a world superpower that's respected and that doesn't necessarily have you know World War III knocking at our front door as it is right now. And so when I look at the field of candidates and I look at who can actually make those decisions, who's unconcerned about seeking a second, a second term in presidency, I think that that's President Trump. Pending he's elected, he will be probably one of the most effective presidents because of the fact that he's not worried about that second term in office. And I think that, that we, that's what we need right now. And also, too, I mean, I think it's a pretty good, um, pretty good thing to say that when you have the entire Washington establishment against you, and you're fighting for the American people, that's who I want representing me. I don't want someone that's going to be basically bought and paid for by special interest. And now something else. I wanted to switch gears a little bit. Um, I know you have an interest. You mentioned reigning in big tech, uh, which is which is essential. I keep telling people if big tech is able to collude with the federal government, with the with the Democrat apparatus within the federal government and the cabal at places like DOJ. You can talk about, you know, mail in ballots and a lot of other things, but we might lose anyway because the uh, the power that they have to move the narrative and to create perception. There has never been in the history of the planet a more powerful propaganda machine than big tech. I think that's very clear. 100%. But AI, 100%. artificial intelligence, may take this to another level. And I wanted you to speak about what you see on the horizon, because I know you're looking at this as a, a former member of the Air Force and as a United States congressman right now, congresswoman. Um, by the way, <laughs> just a quick question. Quick, quick question. Are, is that a thing? Like, are we supposed to say congressman, congresswoman, or do people just say, I know you can just be a member of Congress, 
but are we supposed to gender or, or is it like, you know, actor now? I know it sounds crazy, but you're not supposed to say actress. Everyone's just an actor. They just use the term actor. Oh they don't God. like actress. So do we still we still go with congressman, congresswoman, right? I mean, we usually do. I usually actually prefer representative just because I feel like it's more approachable, like Rep Luna is like usually what I respond to. But, you know, I, I'm really used to, I think this is probably the Air Force in me. When I was in the Air Force, I just went by airmen, you know, whatever. And so um, when people call me congressman, I don't get offended or, you know, member of Congress, you know, I just, I respond to as is. But it is really interesting that a lot of the people that use pronouns in Washington in their, you know, email bios still go by congresswoman, so. Mm, yes, <laughs> it is interesting indeed. All right, so back, back, to, back to this. So big tech is the most effective propaganda machine ever built. We agree on that. AI may do something even beyond what we've seen. What could that be? AI is scary. I, you know, I, I've had this debate because we actually just had a uh, hearing with actually the founder and engineer of Google came in and testified to one of the subcommittees and oversight that I'm on. And what scares me about AI is that it really has the ability to make us obsolete. And what stops a machine, something that can't learn empathy, that doesn't really have the human perspective, doesn't have a spirit and cannot really truly understand the spiritual aspect of like what is right and what is wrong from thinking that humans are basically a parasite to earth and destroying us all. And that's really what I'm concerned about. You have countries like Iran, China, Russia that could weaponize this or terrorists. Let's say there's crazy people out there. And so I think it can be both good and bad, but it's definitely something that I didn't want to have to deal with in my generation, but I think that we're going to. And so I think that we have to be very careful with it. There's a, an aspect of national security that goes along with it and then an aspect of human survival that I think a lot of people aren't mentioning. And so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But AI will have the opportunity. It's really going to make, I think, many jobs that we have that humans participate, whether you're a doctor, whether you are a mathematician, whether you're an engineer, architect, it's it's going to make those jobs obsolete. And so it'll be interesting to see how society changes as a whole as we move forward with this um, evolution of AI and how it's going to really, I think, impact us long term as a culture, not just from the United States perspective, but I think from around the world. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. 
Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I should have asked this when we were talking about the uh, big tech side of it, but just to circle back to that before maybe I ask you another AI question. TikTok, should it be banned by the federal government? And then comma, where am I going to find out the best way to sear a Wagyu steak and melt foie gras on top of it at the same time? <laughs> so I did, co- <laughs> I did co-sponsor a bill to actually ban TikTok. And I did that because TikTok is probably the biggest intelligence gathering operation for the CCP. And not just that, I mean, it's literally brainwashing our kids. When you look at actually what China's showing their youth on their version of TikTok versus what they show our youth here, I mean, you have literally women twerking and you know, not all of it stakes, but when you ask young people what the number one job is they want to have when they grow up, they say influencer. In China, it's astronaut, and that's because of what they actually show their people. Now, I'm not advocating for China's censorship, censorship because that's what it is, but they have specifically engineered TikTok to target young people with an effort to brainwash. And then they also found that on TikTok, they actually will artificially inflate the algorithms of certain uh, incendiary content to make political parties fight. So. You know, you have this app that's gone viral that's intentionally being used against the American people using our own First Amendment against us. And back to what you said about reigning in big tech and really it being a massive propaganda machine. I mean, you are absolutely right. When they looked at, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, the midterms weren't as successful. Why was it? And they're, you know, sideline quarterbacking everything that happened. One, you had the maps aspect. So certain states got obliterated by the activist attorneys that were set up by some of these left-leaning nonprofits to fight on the constitutional redistricting. But then you had literally 
um, young people, Gen Z, showed out in droves, outpaced baby boomers, and actually voted for these left-wing politicians and Biden. A lot of the reason was is because it was what they saw on their phones. And so what they saw on these apps, whether it was Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, that targeting, which can be done literally down to a science, is what they're doing to young people. And so that's why I tell people all the time, you know, especially some of the older representatives, I'm saying you don't understand, but, you know, your kids, your grandkids are on this. And this is basically how we're getting all of our information. We don't read the newspaper. We don't watch television. We don't read the radio or we don't listen to the radio. This is 100 percent a digital age. And so getting them to understand that has been something that everyone's starting to come on board with now and realize how much of a threat it is. So what's top of the agenda for you from now until the end of the year? What, what are you focused <laughs> in on, by the way? Just give me something easy to close us up here. You just tell us, you know, what, <laughs> or to, to close us out rather. Um, tell us, uh, you know, what, what are you trying to get done? Personally, professionally, is, anything. You just, you, you, you take it. Yeah. Number one is the debt ceiling. So we're working on that now. Number two would be, I actually just sponsored air. I just wrote a bipartisan bill that we got a few Democrats to co-sponsor working with Republicans to actually prevent sexual assault in the military. And so we think that that's actually going to pass and it would do something. This is so much common sense, but it would actually require service members to do one day out of the month during the time that they would do PT uh, combatives training for self-defense. And so you'll be surprised to learn that not all branches do that. You might if you're in the Marine Corps, but I definitely did see in the Air Force and other branches as well don't necessarily have that combatives training. So it's it's multifaceted. It helps a service member, both men and women, but then it also to prepares for mission readiness. And then um, number three would be I'm trying to find a chocolate Moran chicken because I obviously, as you might have seen on my social media, I have chickens and they lay eggs and these chocolate Morans have these chocolate covered eggs and they're hard to find. They're considered designer chickens. And so I'm looking for one. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just you can't just like sprinkle this in at the end and think that I'm just going to let you. I know you're busy rep Luna, but you, first of all, you have chickens. I did not know this. Second of yes. all. Your chickens lay chocolate eggs? You got to tell everyone, no, what is so, this? So, so every type, so I have three chickens, uh, but the different breeds of chickens will lay different colored eggs. So right now with the chickens that I have, I have two Easter eggers, one of which lays a bluish colored egg. And then I have a black rock, which lays a brown egg. And then they have these, a breed of chickens called chocolate Morans that lay a very dark, like Hershey chocolate color, like colored egg. And so when you actually go and collect your eggs in the morning, which we do every morning, we have this great array and assortment of eggs that literally looks like Easter eggs, okay? Like they're all different colors. And so I've been looking for one of these chickens for like six months, but they're so hard to find because they're like a, a designer chicken now in the egg community. And so I'm trying to find one. So if you know, well, let me know. <laughs> By the way, this is probably a great side hustle because if you were to just like have Ed or your husband go out and sell eggs or like, they're like $100 each. They're like Fabergé eggs now. They've gotten really expensive. Especially for organic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, organic. organic. I'm sure they're free range. <laughs> are, are the... See, I've actually thought about this. Now, I'm still living in an apartment, but the wife wants me to get a house. And we're. I've said, fine, honey, because happy wife, happy life. Turns out very true, I have found out, by the true. way. True. Got to keep her happy all the time. Uh, so we're going to get a house at some point. And I would love, you know, with a yard and grass. And so then chickens would be a thing that we could do. Um, how much work are they? And then also... Do you feel like the chickens, so I, I had a pet bird for a little while growing up and I always tell people, listen, it's like birds are weirdly smart. And when you spend time around them, 
they, they absolutely recognize different people. They have people they like, people they don't like. They show affection, whatever. But that was like a little parrot, basically. It was actually a cockatiel. Do you, like, do the birds, do the chickens, are they like, oh, what's up, Rep Luna? Like, good to see you, or, or does it not matter? Do you know what I mean? No, they have personalities for sure. Um, they are actually surprisingly easy. So I have a gravity feeder, which means I fill up my feeder about once every three weeks. And then they, it like literally will go down. And so they're self-sufficient. I have an outdoor coop. I have a door on the coop that opens when the sun rises and closes when the sun sets. And they literally debug my garden. I mean, like they're the easiest things that they just roam around our front yard and our backyard because we cut a little hole in the fence. So it's funny because I'll see like my post office guy or the Amazon delivery people and they're used to the chickens now, but they can leave the gate open. They stay in the front yard. They're literally the easiest thing. And then we have a a water feeder that basically feeds them themselves. So they are the easiest things on earth. That's why I tell people buy chickens. So much more easier to get your eggs. They're organic, free range. And then also too, I get a weird sense of pride when I go to the grocery store and I see eggs are like 10 bucks and oh, yeah. I can just go home and get some for my chickens. <laughs> I know what your answer is going to be, but I just have to get you on the record for this. If I gave you one of your, you know, blindfolded, obviously, right? Blindfolded. If I gave you one of your, you know, chocolate, blue Marines. whatever fancy <laughs> eggs and i just gave you like an egg that you'd get from one of those kind of depressing styrofoam containers at a gas station somewhere could you tell the difference yes and this happened to me in washington i was downstairs in the chow that's not a chow the cafeteria <laughs> of the capitol and i went and got about four hard-boiled eggs and i went up to my office to taste them and they tasted like absolute garbage like i can tell the difference the yolks are actually a lot darker and the shells are actually a lot harder. So whenever I go out now, I can actually tell them, like, I don't even eat eggs when I'm out. I just wait till I'm home. Wait, do you, do you, is dark yolk better quality egg or lesser yes. quality egg? Better quality egg. No, it's okay. better quality. Yeah, you'll actually see too, like you can tell what the chicken's diet was if they're free range and they're eating literally as scavengers, which is what they're supposed to do anyways, and they're not eating feed, their yolks will actually be darker. Our chickens literally eat everything though. They eat lizards, they eat bugs. I feed them scraps from, I mean, like they love cheese. I feed them scraps from my salads. I mean, they are just, they're very well-fed chickens. And they love watermelon. It's great. You do not have a rooster. So you do not have the cockadoodle-doo in the morning, right? That doesn't happen? Correct. Correct. But are they you, are, are you, I, the one thing, no, yeah, I have no roosters. They're fairly quiet. The one issue I am having though, is they keep trying to eat my dog's dog food. So they'll sneak in the back and then try to get in. So I'm like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> they love his dog. They like, they like his dog food. Yeah, fair enough. Interesting. I, I got to tell the wife about this. We got to get some chickens. Representative <laughs> yeah. Luna, Anna Paulina. Um, always great to have you. Thanks for hanging out with us. And we'll, we'll we got to check back in on how this is all going, you know, save the country from the uh, debt bomb that it is inflicting on itself. So come back and talk to us in a we'll few be months, here, all right? For it. All right, thanks That's so perfect. much. Thanks, bye. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedom only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes. The families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, 
plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.